Due to the graphic and disturbing nature of the crimes discussed, listener discretion is advised. Retrostatic Radio presents Killing 15 Minutes. Hello and welcome to Killing 15 Minutes, where we will give you your serial killer fix in 15 minutes or less, or your podcast is free. I'm Sam Rossi, and shortly I'll be handing a poorly written synopsis of a serial killer to my brother, who hasn't read it, on a serial killer he's most likely hasn't heard of. This should be fun. Good luck, bro. Thanks, Sam. Let's see if we've got it this time. The Dusseldorf Monster. The Vampire of Dusseldorf. I'm putting an asterisk there, because this is my seventh take on this, and guess what? He's not a vampire. He's not a vampire. We'll get to that. Peter Curtin, or Corton, or Curtin, Curtin! There we go! He's German! It's Curtin! Was criminally active from 1899 to 1930 in Germany. Although, that was criminally active and not murdery active. Correct. He was criminally active. He spent a lot of time in the joint. The joint? The joint. The oldest of 13 children, he was born in 1883 to an abusive alcoholic father and mother. Growing up, his father was definitely a very big proponent to his negative outlook, I think might be the best way to phrase it. Yeah. Because he was emotionally, physically, sexually, and mentally abusive. He was truly a one of those... He was a stereotype of what's a terribly abusive dad. Yes, I agree. When Curtin was four, he tried to drown a playmate. At eight, he befriended the local dog catcher, who enjoyed torturing and killing the animals he caught, which, again, really helps solidify a nature-versus-nurture kind of a scenario with Curtin. This was the beginning of the... And this really started Curtin befriending petty criminals. Curtin then claimed... Later on, Curtin would actually claim that he made his first kill at nine years old with... with the double drownings of his schoolmates. However, police at the time ruled these deaths an accident. But then again, if he's nine, especially, you know, in 1890s, no cop's going to be like, oh, sure, why am I having an Irish cop in Germany? Wow! Oh, sure. Sure you drowned him, you weirdo. (laughs) I don't know why I'm here. There's an exchange program. A nice cop named Adolf went over to Ireland. Said something about potatoes. <laughs> potato. Potato. In 1897, something that would definitely also really trigger Curtin, and this might actually even include some of his more sexually frustrated moments later on, was that his father actually went to jail for the rape of his 13-year-old sister. That would be Curtin's sister, not his father's sister. And you can kind of see this where both would tie together because, well, Curtin was into bestiality snuff. And that's all I'm going to say on that matter, and I don't want you elaborating. Thank Thank you. you. (laughs) I think I appreciate that. It was sick. Next. Now, his real criminal enterprise, well, petty crimes, really began in 1899. As stated, he was criminally active, but the murders 
were later on. He was, he was actually arrested in 1899 for breaking and entering and theft. However, he was only sentenced to one month in prison for that. In 1904, he was actually drafted into the Imperial German Army. And just remember, this is before the unification of Germany. Any of them. And they saw the monarch. Did they? That's why it's the Imperial. Oh, that would make sense. However, he did quickly desert and then took up arson to alleviate his sexual needs. Ah, I like fire, but I, I don't understand the sexual thrill of burning down something. Fire's I understand. Fun. I understand the pretty nature of burning down something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fire, fun. Not that much fun. But hey, I'm not going to king shame. Nope. Uh, did anyone die in these fires? Not that I remember. Well, it's not possible. That, well, then I'm not going. I might king shame if someone died during it. But he liked to watch far away while it happened. So, who knows? He was then arrested on New Year's Eve of the same year and sentenced to eight years in military prison this time. And then in 1923, he moved to Dusseldorf, where he would become the monster of Dusseldorf, with his wife. Uh, he moved there with his wife. His wife wasn't part of the monstering. However, it was here his affairs with said wife actually led to him being convicted of seduction and threatening behavior in 1925. Uh, I'm assuming seduction is from the affairs. Yes, his wife charged him with seduction. Because he was seducing other, other women. women. And the threatening behavior is because he liked to strangle those women. And they didn't like it? Uh, he, he made them believe that it was what you do when you're in love. Eh, I've had weirder things. <laughs> six months in jail, and he stayed quiet. and So he got six months in jail for seducing and choking out bitches. And then he stayed quiet until 1929. And this is when his real reign of terror would happen. Basically, he had a year of killing. He started his reign of terror in February of 1929 with the scissored stabbing of a woman. Yes, his first kill was scissoring a woman to death. But a bunch. Nine murders and seven attempted murders later, he's actually, in which he actually changed up his M.O., by, you know, switching from a knife to a ham, from scissors to a knife to hammers, pretty much whatever he could get his hands on at the time. Basically. However, he was finally captured because, as many, many people do, it's surprising how many serial killers actually do this, but he was actually captured because he started writing letters to taunt the cops. And this was in May twenty uh May twenty fourth, nineteen thirty, is when he's actually caught. Because of ego. Ego. Hubris, I believe, is a better phrasing for that. Yeah. Now he pled not guilty by reason of insanity due to his claiming bloodlust at the time, and not being able to stop himself from mutilating his victims who ranged in age and sex. However, after two hours of deliberation, on April 22nd, 1931, he was found fully guilty. Completely sane and guilty. His last meal... <laughs> still love that you put the last meal in here. You know what? They gave me the last meal. I'm going to give you the last meal. That's fair. Maybe there's a secret to his madness in this last meal. His last meal was Wiener Schnitzel, white wine, and fried potatoes. Potatoes. Potato. 
He also did have two helpings. And then his last word was no. Which I assume is, hey, would you like a third would you like a third serving? No. No. And on July second, nineteen thirty one, his head was removed from his body. That same head, though, was later sent to the Ripley's Believe It or Not Museum in Wisconsin Dell, Wisconsin. That's actually a really fun fact. Think it's still there? I would assume so. Actually, got to look and see what's still in the Ripley's Believe It or Not Museum. True. Because that's its own really neat curi- you know, curiosity cabinet. It is. The Dusseldorf monster was a sick. He he was sick. He enjoyed mutilating his victims, but there's not enough facts for him to be a vampire. Now I do we do think that he got off on murder, but not the blood. And I think that's I think that's actually a really good point to make. Is did do they call him the vampire of Dusseldorf? They call him the vampire of Dusseldorf because supposedly according to him he would drink the blood of his victims. However, there was no... Evidence that corroborated that? Like, yeah. he mutilated, so there was blood lost, but there wasn't, it like, like... It's not like... The vampire of Sacramento who would inject blood into himself. Yeah, and eat his victims. Yeah, it was one of those major things where it's like... Where there was enough evidence to show that he was vampiric. There's not enough evidence of the Dusseldorf monster being... Now, I actually want to ask you this question, Sissy. How much of this do you think was mental health versus nature versus nurture? Like I brought up wicked early. I think it's I think he was a product of his nature of his environment. Environment. I do cuz the dad could, would ease the dad being an abusive son of a gun would easily it, give him a lack of empathy towards other people. Right, and he was I think 14, 15 when his father went away. So it's 15 years of, of and, abuse that he witnessed on top of everything. And that, and just because his dad went away, you know, after so long, because of the rape of his 13-year-old daughter, that doesn't mean that it wasn't happening before. Right. And with the way his father acted, it could have easily been, maybe he did feel that the threatening behavior he had with the mistresses. Was love. Was connected to love. Yep. You know, hey, I like you. Clearly, I have to strangle you. I know many women who are like that. Well, yeah. who like being strangled, not... I Yeah, I, I understood what you meant. The, the, but it, it's one of those things that... You've had massive be... daddy issues. And, and then having, you know, having a friend being the dog catcher... Who would show, who would show him an outlet... Who, who would normalize, I think that would be the better way to normalize, phrase it, is, yeah. he's getting this very negative home life, which is, you know, desensitizing him from... A violence. Showing, uh, well, yeah. Probably desensitized him to violence, which helped him be able to kill animals. Well, I would say it was a lack of empathy. Because it's that. one of those things where it's like, I know that this is actually a really good school of thought for a discussion. Not, not here, probably. Or probably. at least not long term here. Where sociopathic behavior, while there is, you know, chemical imbalance of the brain that can do it like that, um, a lot of people say that it's actually part of the nature. Like, you don't get a lot of sociopaths who had the white picket fenced happy childhood. No, but you do get get them where they have the, the chemical imbalance that 
you know, schizophrenia. But well, I wouldn't count schizophrenia because, well, yeah, sociopathic behavior, you know, can come with schizophrenia. I would it say not, that. It, it's so. Yeah, I would say that that is under schizophrenia versus under. But I'm it, just a sick puppy. It's true. But what it is is that I see that there are serial killers that have been normalized. Right. But there is, you know, a lot that I'm finding that have the abuse or there is more outside forces than just inside their head. Right. And that's what I mean is like, you know, he sees how his dad treats everybody. So that makes yeah. his brain go, this is how it is. It's, it's that learned behavior of why parents should at least be a good role model for their kid. True. Because then their kid understands this is how the world, the world works. And then they're able to better integrate with society. But if you have, you know, oh man, the world is just my dad, you know, beating and fucking everyone. And then you start, you actually get a friend in the dog catcher. You know, you're already showing these because if he did murder, you know, drown, you know, led to the drowning of two of his friends, you know, his classmates, suddenly he doesn't see any one of his peers as an equal to him. Nope. But then you have an older gentleman. I'm assuming he's older just because dog catcher. I would assume so that he was, yeah. I mean, I'm not thinking he's in his 50s or anything, but I don't think he's the same age. No. He's older. He is technically in a position of power. And he starts going, oh, yeah, this is what I do. So then all of a sudden he gets that outlet. And he also, you know, it normalizes, you know, that life doesn't mean anything. I'm actually surprised that he didn't seem to kill his uh, mistresses. Yeah, I was shocked by that, too, but I think he actually enjoyed it too much that... They were submissive enough that it was... I think it gave... I, it fed into... It, it fed his... His uh, power... Like, his power control that yeah. he wanted, which would make sense on how he would be kill, you know, kill people with power and control. Yeah, no, that actually makes a lot of sense. So, anything... Any finalized things you'd like to say about the monster of Dusseldorf? No, he, he was just a sick puppy. Well, next week, we'll actually do a real vampire. Yes, we will find you a real vampire, brother. I'm AJ Carey. And I'm Sam Rossi. We have no final sign-off here, so... Later, guys. Deuces. Killing 15 Minutes is hosted by Arthur Carey, with scripts written and researched by Sam Rossi. If you like this episode or want to stay updated on this series, consider following Killing 15 Minutes on Patreon or Retrostatic Radio on all major social media platforms. Good night and God bless. You're watching Retrostatic Radio.